Hi there, welcome to the Causeway Coast Vineyard podcast. We are a church who are passionate about seeing the transformation of individuals and institutions in our city through the generations to see all things new in our community. We hope you enjoy this message. Wow, good morning. You know, it wouldn't be the curtains in Neil's office I would be questioning. Um, you should see the chandelier he's getting installed this week. <laughs> we love you, Neil. I'm only joking. No chandelier, just a new plasma screen TV. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, guys, good morning and welcome to Cosmic Coast Vineyard. As Ricky said, Steph said, uh, my name is Joel and I'm part of the family here. And it is such a gift to be with you this morning as we continue on in our conversation that we've entitled Into the Mystery where we've basically been beginning to explore that a life of following Jesus, a life of learning what it means to be in his presence is a life of embracing mystery. And if you were with us last week, Neil kicked off that conversation with an incredibly important foundational piece, one that we're gonna take with us for the rest of this conversation and the rest of our lives, and that is this, that as followers of Jesus, Our faith is not rooted in anything or anyone other than him. Nothing and no one else. He is the one we are pursuing. He is the one we are following from the beginning, through the middle, and until the end. He is who our attention is on. He is who we are moving towards, and he is who it is all about. Guy Paul in the New Testament said it this way. He said, for from him and through him and for him are all things to God be the glory forever. He is who we are moving towards in this season and until forever. (laughs) And so this journey of following him is one filled with mystery. This guy Eugene Peterson, he um, wrote the message translation, you may have heard of that, and he had this to say about following Jesus. He said that in the presence of Jesus, He said, there are no experts in the company. There's a quote. Um, So there are no experts in the company of Jesus. There we go. We are all beginners, necessarily followers, because we don't know where we are going. Sounds a lot like mystery to me. And so over these next couple of weeks, we're going to be exploring how Jesus has invited us to see the impossible circumstances, the mysterious circumstances in our everyday transformed. We're gonna see that he has resourced you and I, as Steph said earlier, if we follow him and if we have a pulse to see the circumstances that are impossible in our lives transformed. And we're excited to unpack that. We're gonna explore the practical application of what he taught his disciples to pray. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the place of wholeness, the place of freedom, the place of joy, the place of life, the place of perfect peace. And I'm excited to dive into that. I'm excited for us to explore that over the next couple of weeks. But maybe you're sitting there this morning like me and you're asking the question, well, why is it like this? Why is it not all plain? Why has God invited us to pray? Why are we invited to pursue more than we can see? Why is it not all obvious? Why mystery? 
And so this morning, I kind of hope, or at least I, I hope that we begin to kind of unpack some of those questions together. But I have to be really honest with you this morning. Everything I say must be qualified under this one statement. I don't fully know. I don't fully know why God has done it this way. You know, we're beginning to increasingly see it as we gather together. When we're met with the presence of God, our understanding falls flat on its face, doesn't it? We sang about it this morning. What was it you, uh, your wisdom unimagined, who could understand your ways, reigning high above the heavens, reaching down in endless grace. My goodness, I would love to stand on this stage today and deliver a measurable, manageable, and comfortable view of God, but I can't. That's not the God we follow. That's not the God we're moving towards in this season. We're moving towards a God who is far beyond what we could comprehend. And thank goodness, because my mind only goes so far when I begin to contemplate goodness. The Bible says that he is far beyond our imagination. He's more than we can ask, seek, or imagine. And so that's what we're going to be exploring over the next number of weeks. And so as we approach this conversation about mystery, as we approach this conversation about the supernatural, there are two ways in which we can approach it. Do you know, we can approach it with the sole desire of seeing more miracles. And we will, <laughs> right? We can approach it with the sole desire that we might see more miracles, or we can approach it as sons and daughters of the living God who are longing to move closer to their dad and who see his hand move in power in the process. Do you know, we can approach it as experts seeking to master a craft, or we can approach it as his kids, longing to draw closer to him and longing to draw as many people close to him in the process as we can, and we see him move in power as we do that. I know which one I want to be. Do you want to change gear now? So back in the 1600s, there was a group of Jesus followers who gathered together in a room. And they gathered together with an attempt to ask some of life's biggest questions. And their desire was that, that they would be able to learn what a life of following Jesus might look like in our everyday lives. They explored what impact would following Jesus have on us physically, what would it have on us emotionally, what would it have on us communally, what would it have on our spiritual lives. And so they began to ask these questions and they began to write these responses in the hope that it would enable followers of Jesus to help follow him and simply what impact it would have. It became known, as you may know, the Westminster Catechism. I know in some other traditions you may have used that before. But what we find is these guys gathered together in this room and they asked some of life's biggest questions. And it appears that they weren't great at small talk because the first question wasn't what was the weather like or it wasn't how are you doing, it was pretty deep. And the first question was this, was what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? Or in language we might use today, what is the purpose of life? <laughs> pretty shallow. What is the purpose of our existence? Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about that question, 
I imagine that the answer is probably locked in some massive volume of books or that it's, uh, the answer is at some conference that I need to travel across the world and pay a whole lot of money to get to. But these guys didn't think the answer was in any of that. Here's what their answer was to one of life's biggest questions. What is the purpose of life? They said this, that man's chief end, or in today's language, our purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's it. Man's chief end, or, or humanity's purpose, our purpose is to glorify God, and that's just language we use for placing Him first, we did it in worship this morning, and enjoy Him forever. Their conclusion from 1600 years of Jesus following and wrestling with scripture was that our purpose on this earth is to glorify God, place Him first, and enjoy Him. And what I love about the question that they asked, it wasn't what's the purpose of the church, or it wasn't what's the purpose of the Christian, and so wherever you are in your journey of following Jesus this morning, whether you've never said yes to him, whether this is the first step you've ever taken towards him, we have all been created and designed to do these two things, to place him first and enjoy him. It's why those doors are open on a Sunday morning to everyone. Because this is a human need, this is a human desire that's wired in the depth of our DNA. We have been created to place him first and we have been created to enjoy him in the process. And it's why we will never be satisfied until we do those two things. He is to be held in his rightful places first and we are to enjoy him in the process. There's some examples of this from scripture. Psalm 37, four. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 32, 11, rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Psalm 33, 1, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous, for it is fitting and upright for you to praise him. God's glory and our joy. God being glorified leads to our hearts being satisfied. And those followers of Jesus, Jesus, they began to understand this inseparable bond between God's glory and our joy. Yet that's not often the picture we have, is it? When we think about environments where God's placed first. You see, from the very beginning, the enemy has attempted to separate the relationship between God's glory and our joy. And unfortunately and heartbreakingly, the church has often been the fastest vehicle at separating those two. And I believe we are in the midst of a fresh wave of God upon the earth where he is restoring himself to the rightful places first. And in that process, we begin to uncover the joy we have been designed for. It's a story of glory. It's a story of joy. He is the goal and he is the why. Paul put it this way, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink, or if you don't do either of those two things, he says, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. Place him first and enjoy him, for that is that which what we have been designed for. Now, what has any of that got to do with our conversation about mystery? What has any of that got to do with this conversation that we're having around the supernatural? Now, I don't know about you, 
But I know for me that when I'm standing in this room and, sur and I'm surrounded by hundreds of voices, enjoying Jesus, lifting Jesus, shouting the name of Jesus, I find that stuff really quite simple. I find it easy to place him first in these moments. I find it easy to enjoy him in these moments. But what about this week when I'm maybe faced with a bill that I'm only able to meet? What about this week when we, you receive a phone call from a loved one who's just received a diagnosis that they weren't expecting? What about those moments? Why is it not all obvious in those moments? Why is it not all plain in those moments? Why is there mystery? Why is it unseen? Like, Why doesn't God just deal with all the brokenness in the world in one clean sweep and call it a day? <laughs> There's a book in the, the Old Testament of the Bible. It's called the, the Book of Proverbs. It's an incredible book. If the, Bible, if, you're, if the Bible is something you would love to dive into, I would encourage you to begin at the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters, 31 days in the month. You can take a chapter a day. And it's super, super practical. So the book of Proverbs is just filled with practical wisdom about some of life's biggest questions and some of life's most mundane questions. So there's wisdom on how to deal with money. There's wisdom on how to deal with relationships and friendships. There's even wisdom on how to deal with difficult bosses. That's why I got reading it. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm only joking. There's literally wisdom about everything. And so often what I do when I'm faced with questions about life, when I'm faced with decisions, I often go to Proverbs. Now, I go to Proverbs via Google because it's much faster than my ability to skim read the whole book when I'm looking for something. So I'll often go to Proverbs via Google, very spiritual of me. And I did that for today. And I... I, I did that for today in this realm of this question of why is it not all seen? Why is it not all obvious? Why is it not all plain? And here's what I find. Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. You read that again. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter to search out a matter is the glory of kings. Okay, so what does this verse say that God is concealing? It is the glory of God to conceal a, a matter. Sounds very A-level physics-y, doesn't it? Um, I did A-level physics in two weeks, and then I quit. So thank the Lord, it's nothing to do with A-level physics. But so it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. So what I did this week was, if, maybe if the Bible, again, is something that's new to you, the Bible wasn't originally written in English. So the Bible was originally written in, in Hebrew, and another part of it was written in Greek. And so what we have when we read in English is we have a translation of it. Does that make sense? So often what we can do is sometimes when there's words, I'm like, I don't fully know what that means in that context. Google again. I Google, and we can find out what the original word meant, what the original um, word was in the original language, and begin to get a bit of a fuller picture of what it means. And so I did that this week with this verse. And so it turns out that this word for matter is actually the word for word. Debar is like the uh, Hebrew word for it, for anyone who knows Hebrew in the room. Um, it means the word for word or the word for speech. Now, if we put that back into the verse, it is the glory of God to conceal a word. Does that mean that God's hiding Bibles for us to find this morning? Check under your seat. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think that's what it means. Think about words for a moment. Think about speech. 
What is the purpose of our words? Well, the purpose of our words or the purpose of our speech is that they would be the vehicle through which we communicate our heart, right? They are the, the way in which we communicate our intention. So whether we're sending a text message, whether we're writing an email, whether we're having an in real life conversation, the goal or the purpose of our words is that it would communicate our intention or our heart. At least that's, that's the goal. Have you ever said something you didn't intend? <laughs> Maybe on the way to church on a Sunday morning. <laughs> now it's 11.30, you guys had a lion, so. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes we can say things that we don't fully intend. Sometimes we say things that we don't, that doesn't fully communicate our heart. Well, that's not the case with God. Bible says in Isaiah 40 verse 8 that though the grass withers and the flowers fall, the word, same word that's used in Proverbs, the debar of the Lord endures forever. His words always contain his heart. His word always contains his intention. It's why we take the Bible so seriously. Because we believe that his word endures forever. His word is more than an assortment of letters. It contains his heart and his intention. The promises and the invitations that we read in scripture are not sentiment, they're reality. And so if we put this back in our verse this morning, if we go back to Proverbs 25, James, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, and if we place in there what we've learned so far about matter, the word or the intention of God, okay, is God hiding from us? If God's concealing his intention, if God's concealing his desire, is he hiding from us? Let's read on. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. The word matter that's there is the same that's been used earlier in the verse. To search out the intention of God is the glory of kings. Now, before we write off that invitation to search out the intention of God upon the earth because we weren't born in a palace, there is just an abundance of royal language in the Bible when referring to the children of God, when referring to you and I. It is literally from beginning to end. We see that we are invited to be royal, a royal priesthood who rule and reign upon the earth. So we can imply that that is us in that text. That is you and I who have been invited to search out the intention of God upon the earth. And here what we begin to see is that God isn't hiding his intention from us, he's hiding it for us. Here we see that God isn't hiding his intention from us, he's hiding it for us, and in the process, he's introducing us to his glory. If we jump back to our friends in the 1600s, what have we been designed for? To glorify God, to place him first, and to enjoy him. So on this journey of into the mystery, as we are invited to uncover the intention of God in our every day, we are being introduced to the glory of God, which is what we've been designed for, and in that process, we discover our fullest joy. What a story of glory. Or think about it this way. 
when we begin to view this reality that God isn't hiding from us, he's hiding for us. An image that I find really helpful is like an Easter egg hunt. Do you ever do an Easter egg hunt or if, when you were a kid or if you've had kids, right? So there's two things that you don't do. The first thing that you don't do is you don't place all the Easter eggs on the table because it'd be a very short process. And the other thing you don't do is you don't go into the garden and dig a six-foot hole, bury the Easter egg, fill it in with dirt, cover it with leaves, and then expect your kids to find it. That's not how it works. The goal is in the process of the eggs being found. The joy is in the story and the uncovering and in the journey that you get to share with your kids in that moment. And yes, that's a a natural physical picture, but it's a picture that I find really helpful when it comes to this area. God invites us to join him on this story of uncovering his intention upon the earth. He hasn't, you know, dug down hidden his intention way under the dirt so that we can't find it. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be opened. He isn't hiding it from us, he's hiding it for us. Jesus says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, not ask and get disappointed or seek and get lost. And this completely changes our approach to the supernatural. This completely changes our approach to mystery. Because this isn't God hiding himself for the super Christian or for the elite person who's never done anything wrong or said anything wrong. This is God veiling himself so that each and every single one of us who has a pulse and is desiring to move towards him can find him. Every single one of us gets to join in on this journey. And so why mystery? Why not all obvious? Well, I think, I think it's because it leads us to him. I think it's because his desire is to introduce us to himself. And in that process, we get to place him first, we get to glorify him, and we get to enjoy him. Um, So in just a moment, we're going to respond by holding Jesus first through communion. And so there is a little cup underneath your seat. I would love to invite you Um, to grab that. Is Emily here in the room? Yes, Emily, I would love you to come and play a little bit of keys. So Emily's gonna come up, she's just gonna play a little um, bit of keys in the background. And so, yeah, so in your hand, yes, I have one here. You will notice, if this is something that's completely new to you, don't worry, we'll explain it. Uh, you'll notice that there's a little, a little cup with some juice in it and there's a little bit of, uh, like a little wafer on top. And these are representative of the blood and of the body of Jesus. Now, you know, Jesus, on the night before he was crucified, invited his followers to partake of this, this act. <laughs> And I don't know about you, but over time, 
the fullness of what this means has often become lost on me. And you know, this was never supposed to be reduced to a religious activity. This was always supposed to be a reminder of who Jesus is, what he has accomplished for each and every one of us, and an introduction again to his person and his presence. And so I'd love to invite you just to close your eyes for a moment. again, I know we've already done it this morning, but extend an invitation for anyone who has yet to place Jesus first in your life. And just this morning, as we've been having this conversation that God isn't hiding from us, He's actually hiding for us, and He's inviting us to find Him. He's inviting us to discover Him. He's inviting us to move closer to Him. In that moment, your, your heart came alive. And so what we would love to do, just like Steph invited earlier, is we would love to give you an opportunity to respond. And while every eye is closed, I would love to invite you to externally respond to what's taking place on the inside. And so I would love to ask you to raise your hand simply as an acknowledgement between you and Jesus of what's taking place in this moment. So if you're here this morning and you're like, it's time for me to glorify Jesus. It's time for me to place him first in his rightful place. Then we would love to give you that opportunity while every eye is closed. within us would be awakened 
thank you for all that you have done. And you can take of the bread when you're ready. forgiveness and the fullness of freedom. God, we are sorry when we have cheapened what your blood has purchased. And God, I ask this morning that you would awaken in us and reveal to us the fullness of what was purchased on that cross all those years ago. Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. For more information, resources, and opportunities, you can check us out at cosmicoastvineyard.com.